The thing about comparing rates at Progressive.com is that by now you've heard a lot of ads about comparing rates at Progressive.com. We probably don't even need the words comparing rates anymore to remind you that seasoning steaks at Progressive.com is an easy way to save on car insurance. Or that swimming in trousers helps you find the lowest rate. And that's the thing about foraging for truffles. You've heard a lot of ads about standing tiptoe on a cinder block. Compare rates and (coughs) sing softly to a wounded field mouse and save at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Hey, we get it. You don't want to be hearing a progressive commercial right now. So let us tell you something you do want to hear. You are intelligent. You make all the right decisions. You were smart before smart was cool, and you made it cool again. You have a wealth of knowledge, and you are so very clever. (laughs) I bet you already knew I was going to say that, you genius. There, don't you feel better? You'll also feel better when you hear you could save big when you switch to progressive. But I'm pretty sure you already knew that, too. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. You're listening to Black Girl Blueprint. Because black girls did it first. And honestly, better. Period. Period. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, everyone, and welcome to Black Girl Blueprint, your fake podcast for all the Gen Z black girl tea. My name's Lauren. And my name is McKean, and thank you guys for tuning in to today's episode. So today is part two of our religion and spirituality series, and we don't want to get it twisted. This is not the same episode as last week where we talked about our upbringing in religion and the church specifically. Now we're thinking specifically about our relationship to our own spirits, our relationship to the spirits of our pasts, and how we sort of check in with ourselves. So we have a very lovely guest today. Dr. Michelle Meggs, who we're very excited to have with us to just bring us all of the wisdom and the knowledge that she has and introduce us to spirituality if this is new for you like it is for us, but also just to talk and remind us of the ways in which we've already been practicing different spiritual practices on our own that we might not know. So hi, Dr. Michelle. (laughs) Hey, how you doing? Pretty good. You know, I'm feeling blessed. I'm feeling like this is needed today. In, in these weeks. So I'm very excited for this conversation for sure. Oh, it's absolutely needed. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for the invitation. Of course. Do you want to let everybody know a little bit more about you? Sure. Um, I'm originally from Brooklyn, from Brooklyn, New York. Brooklyn, stand up. Boop, 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 boop. You know. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, I got my undergraduate degree. Um, from Johnson C. Smith here in Charlotte, Go Golden Bulls. I got my master's degree from Wake Forest, Demon Deacons. And I got my doctorate from Clark Atlanta University, home of the, um, you know, the Black Panthers down in Atlanta, Georgia. And I currently work as the executive director of the Women and Girls Research Alliance at UNC Charlotte. I am an ordained Baptist minister. I am also a student of IFA. Um, which is a traditional African religious practice. I am a child of Shango, one of the Orishas in Ifa. So I'm excited to be a part of this conversation with you two. Yes. What an intro, for real. You set the tone. <laughs> wow, we're so impressed. That was amazing. I love, I love the enthusiasm there <laughs> as well. And also, so we did this last week as well, and McKenna and I already answered, so we're not going to give ours again, but we always feel like it's nice, you know, we love the little background, but also to get to know a little bit more about you and your personality, we always ask the question of what are your three 
If you can only take three albums on a deserted island, only listen to three albums for the rest of your life, what would they be? It's kind of a hard question, but let you simmer in that and think about what that would okay. be. Okay. I would take Beyonce's Lemonade. I would take The Mystification of yes. Lauren Hill. And I would take my own compilation of Cardi B's music. Interesting. Wait, so what's, I won't put you on the spot, but like what Cardi B song first comes to mind as like the one? Wop. <laughs> yeah. I know you're surprised. I know most people, listen, I refer to myself as a ratchet womanist following in the tradition of Alice Walker and her definition of womanism, mm. of black women being uh, responsible and serious and in charge and loving themselves um, and loving the women and men in their community and bringing other folks along with them. But I also believe in ratchetness and all of its beautiful formations, um, taking it back to its original definition of joy. Uh, that, was the, that was its original inception as it came out um, uh, in Louisiana, uh, with the rappers there, Ratchet was about being joyful, but then over time it got read as something negative against uh, black and brown women's body. But I, in my research and scholarship, I take ratchetness and take it back to what it really meant for black women to be comfortable in their skin, to be able to cut loose and have fun and really engage in what it means to be free Black women, to laugh out loud, to be loud, and for that to be okay, and for that not to be misread in ways that cause harm against Black women and their bodies. So, you know, I, I'm definitely a firm believer in ratchetness and Black girl joy and Black girl genius, because I think that's where it lies. I think the genius lies in the ratchet. That was a whole sermon yes. right there. Okay. <laughs> That was amazing. I'm on your island with you. I know that's right. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. Shoot, I mean, we can end up so right there. We we got. <laughs> but no, we just kidding. First, we have we have to get into the read the room, which we have actually a lot to talk about today. We we were like starting. We were like, dang, we don't have anything like. What can we think about? But no, there's a lot going on, and you know, we always like to respond to. Black Twitter and the conversations happening over there and how we can both contribute to those in the ways that they're already happening, but like also call attention to the things that we wish people would talk about a little bit more. So first on today's roster of Reading the Room, I think we should talk first about the Harriet Tubman $20 bill situation. So for those who don't know, well, it was originally promised like years ago. I remember when they were saying, you know, 2020, a woman is going to be put on the dollar bill. And then there was like a debate about will it be a black woman? And there was a lot of hesitation. We didn't really know back then, I think, if it would be a black woman. But then eventually it was settled that it would be Harriet. And it was supposed to happen in 2020. And then Donald Trump was like, no, <laughs> unsurprisingly. <laughs> and yeah, then Joe Biden now right. is, I think, trying to actually make that happen. Maybe this year, maybe not. We'll see. But, you know, the Twitter responses from Black women specifically, because, I mean, here, those are the voices we care about. But it's been interesting. You know, I, I wish, I think four years ago or however long ago it was when it was first announced, I was definitely excited. And I don't think I fully understood why I was excited. But I, I knew, like, when I would go to Barbados with my mom, there was only Black people on the dollar bills. And I was like, that's something I would love. 
but I didn't think much further than that. And now my response is more like, okay, like you, y- y'all could put it on the bill, I guess. But like, first of all, I'm just afraid that it's gonna, they're gonna use it as an excuse for like, okay, well now we've really achieved racial justice and like, okay, work is done. Like <laughs> we're all set. So that's I'm enough gonna- activism for one day. <laughs> they're like, that's enough social justice. Yeah. <laughs> I think what I'm afraid of with that is that it'll just turn into a very like empty gesture and also like an instance of like tokenizing her in that way. And I just feel like, Harry, don't do that to her. I don't know. I also like being from the Bahamas, I get what you're saying about like, it's nice to see black people on our money. It feels great. And like you said, like, it's okay if they do it, I suppose. But on Twitter as well, I saw a lot of comparisons. I didn't read them as much to even like know all the details of it, but there were a lot of people talking about how I guess that plays into like capitalism as well. I don't remember exactly what the tweet was about like after everything she went through, then her like inherently being tied to capitalism in this way by kind of like monetizing her. I was I don't know the exact comparison, but it's interesting that this is the discourse that's happening now. Cause like you said, when it first happened, we were like, yay, black people in the money. But now we're like, wait, what does this actually mean? What does this actually entail for like our society going forward? No, it's interesting. Dr. Michelle, what do you think? What's your take? Well, I, um, I'm going to give that a no. Um, it, one person that I do follow on Twitter is Dr. Brittany Cooper, and she's under uh, Professor Crunk, and I absolutely stand her. Um, I love her. Um, what, and, and I like what she's saying about, like, we don't, like, that's, that's not good and, and it's not helpful, right? Because this is a reflection, you know, capitalism is a system that caused um, our foremothers and forefathers to be enslaved, right? And how Black bodies were used in service um, to capitalism and to uphold a slaveocracy, right? Um, a slave economy. And so to put her face on a representation of this capitalistic system that does not mean black and brown bodies well is extremely problematic. I understand the gesture of replacing the faces of the bills of those who were who were slaveholders or who believed in slavery and the righteousness of it, which is incorrect. Um, I say no, don't don't do that. Do something else that would more honor her legacy and her commitment to freedom. And, and I think that would be a better use of, of her legacy and what she meant um, as a freedom fighter. So I, I think that would be much better than put, and then you're going to put her name just on a $20 bill? Right. Nah, we could do better than that. If you're going to do that, let's go all the way, right? $100 bill, $1,000 bill, something, <laughs> make, make one up, right? But let's, let, let's not cheapen her legacy you know, like that by making her as common, you know, as that. Like, let, mm-hmm. let's let's not do that at all. Like, I appreciate the gesture, but nah, we could do better than that. Our country owes a huge debt to to uh, the enslaved folks who were here, who literally built the Capitol building where all this is happening. Right? We owe them a debt um, that can never be repaid, as far as I'm concerned. But we can start, but I don't think that's the start. Yeah, I also think thinking back to the, I was sort of while you were speaking, trying to think like, why again, were they trying to do it in 2020? And I remember that it was like the 100th anniversary of like the suffragettes, which was also mm-hmm. ironic because I don't think black women could vote at that point. Like black women were not included in it. <laughs> so no. 
how are we honoring Harriet Tubman on that anniversary when her life would not have been changed by any of those actions? And like her life right. was only changed by the actions that she led and we're not honoring it in conjunction with those actions at all. So it is kind of like, right. it raises a lot of yeah. questions. It's like, I mean, y'all love Susan B. Anthony, so put her little racist stuff on the top. <laughs> She's already on a coin, oh, so she already has her own coin, right? Yeah, and in terms of the, suffra uh, uh, the suffragette movement, like Black women were excluded and they had their fight their way in, right? So there are, again, even in that movement, there are ways in which Black women's bodies are used for movements, but our agenda is not welcome, mm. right? And so that's why I'm like, no, we're not doing that. Where where you're not going to use our bodies again for your own economy, right? And then when we're saying, hey, I need you to look at this. I need you to look at this problem of, of modern day lynching, which is killing innocent black people in the street. And you're like, oh no, that's not an issue. Well, what were they doing? Why didn't they follow the up? Listen, we don't have time for that. So no, no, we're not doing that. Mm. Period. Period. <laughs> With three T's on the end. Yes. You know. Yes, there we go. I think that's actually a good segue into the other thing that we wanted to talk about, which is like the notion of like forgiveness and what that means. And also within the context, I guess, of reparations, thinking about all these things we're talking about with like, you know, these empty gestures and what it means to actually be forgiven or even thinking about all like, the white supremacists are thinking about the former racists who will like ask for forgiveness for harm that they've caused, but then never actually change their behavior. And I think that's just, I think even thinking about in the context that we have more as I guess a Gen Z thing of like cancel culture as well, like how do you move forward from those wrongdoings? And I think this is especially relevant within this context as well of thinking about like, you know, today when we're recording this is also like the one year anniversary, I think, of Kobe's death. And then thinking about immediately the, the response after he died as well was talking about, you know, whether or not he should be mourned or what, whether like people bringing up his past allegations would paint his legacy. And I think it's just like a greater conversation to have there about like what does forgiveness and like legacy and like moving forward from past wrongdoings look like? Does that make sense? Like what yeah. happens there? What do you guys think? I think part of it is part of forgiveness is acknowledging that there was harm done, right? And then part of making it right is change behavior, right? And so America is always asking the folks who it harms for forgiveness, but she never shifts her behavior to do the right thing, right? And so that's why, you know, when they're asking black and brown folks, when they're asking women, you know, trust us, we're going to do the right thing. We're like, no, because I hear what you're saying, but I watch what you do. And what you say and what you do does not always match up. And I'm the one left in the dust, holding the bag, literally bleeding as a result of what you failed to do. And so, no, without change behavior, what you're asking for is cheap grace. And I don't have any of that for you. I, I don't have it. So, yeah. That's why I sit with that. I, I think a lot about the response to the the election and Black women's role in the election mm -hmm. and changing the course of sort of, well, changing of course a little bit in terms of like parties and who's in charge, but also thinking about the response to Amanda Gorman's poem, which was a beautiful poem, but like 
you know, I saw a cartoon the following day that was like her carrying a like withered Uncle Sam and like flying off with him in her arms. And I was just like, uh, you guys were so close. Like it's never like the celebration also, like I think they they really do conceptualize, you know, putting Harriet on the 20 and, you know, a small apology for past rape actions without acknowledging like the full weight or also you know celebrating amanda gorman in this way as like the one carrying this nation or thanking black women for saving the country they do all of these actions and i think they 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 whoever it is whether it's white america whether it's black men they think that that is enough that can that constitutes change behavior but i don't think they really i think that just shows further and further that they don't really understand what they're apologizing for because they would realize that these actions are just sort of continuing that same, in that same, the same things that they've been doing, you know, calling black women strong and thanking them for saving the country. You've, you've thanked them for saving you before, whether verbally or not, you've relied on them for saving you before. And the, the action is not to say thank you, it's to start saving them in return once or twice. Like, we're not saving, because I hate that word, but you know what I mean? Like showing up for them and not in a way that's like, well, thank you for what you did a little bit, or like, you know, we're a little bit sorry for racism, but like rather <laughs> like, what can you do to to really, not you, but like, what can they do to to create space and thank Black women properly in a way that is not only momentary and that actually is responsive to what has happened and to change the course so that what has happened doesn't happen again. It's hard to, mm -hmm. I don't know if we've seen it, so it's hard to imagine sometimes. I think part of it is this quote from, I think it's Zora Neale Hurston, where she writes in one of her books about Black women being the mule of the world, right? And that folks are always expecting us to save them. And it's, it's an expectation that this is what we're going to do because it's what we do, right? Because we recognize that our fate is intricately intertwined with the faith of with the fate of others and we recognize that if this ship goes down we're going right down with it and we have no interest in that right so they're always calling on us to do the work right and they get the glory right we're getting some of the glory now right yeah okay that's going to be really short-lived right but it's as if they they call on black women to be the workhorses of the democracy consistently Right. And others get the fruit. You get the fruit of our labor, but we don't get to enjoy the fruit. We get to be worked to death, literally. Right. And that's it. Right. Everyone expects us to feed into this whole narrative of us um, being unfeeling, unflinching, able to carry and do all these things. And what it does is it ignores our humanity. Right. That we feel right, that we get upset, right? We're limited to these very narrow constructs of Black womanhood and Black girlhood about who we are, and we're not seen as separate. Zimbabwe. The broken Bunsen burner burns so bright. South. Jamie. Southeast Asian Peninsula. Hey, hey, Jamie. Yes. I think the only line we need from you today is drivers who switch to progressive could say big. Cool. I just got to finish my warm-ups. <clears throat> foul, foul, throw in the towel. History, history. Switch history, to Progressive history. today. Santa ski slalom in a salmon skin suit. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. And distinct beings. And, and we end up suffering for that. So that's part of the issue as well. 
Yes, a word. You, you preach it today. I see that. You said, just let me remind y'all that I'm an ordained minister. And I'm showing up today. Just a, just, a, just a Black woman who's trying to save other Black women and girls. That's it. That's it. As you should. I, I respect. We respect that. We appreciate that all the time. So I guess, you know, moving into our main conversation, which is about spirituality today, we wanted to start in a, you know, sort of as our transition from the read the room to the main conversation, mm -hmm. we wanted to think a little bit about how first what we've been showed about black spirituality in media, you know, and have those representations been accurate at any point? Have we felt troubled by those representations? So I will say, you know, the most immediate one that I've I've always felt a little troubled by even not really knowing anything, but was Princess and the Frog and mm -hmm. how voodoo was was represented in that was just troubling. And, you know, I mean, that we've talked about why that movie is problematic for a lot of reasons in the past. So we won't go over that again. But I think, you know, it just makes it look like some sort of dark magic. And I'm thinking also back to like when I was a kid and like the way that the word voodoo was used, I didn't even know what it was beyond some sort of like weird mystical like evil thing like because that is literally what kids would say and who knows where they got it from they got it from movies like princess and the frog and like they're whoever whatever their parents are watching so i think i don't know that's the person that comes to mind for me i would love to hear like if you all have seen it represented well if you've also seen other representations that you felt were just troubling and you know did more damage than service i'm thinking of some other because I had the same experience that you did. Definitely Princess and the Frog is the one that immediately comes to my head. I'm also thinking of like shows like American Horror Story or like, I don't know if you've ever seen Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, which is like the new like Sabrina the Teenage Witch spinoff. And I guess those are kind of dark shows in general, which makes sense why it's shown in a darker way, I suppose. But still at the same time, like that association of voodoo, which is like a religious, like cultural, like indigenous, like spiritual practice, being seen as like witchcraft or like black magic or like even there's often an association as well with like satanism and like devil worship and it's like demonized in that way even thinking about some like there was a french actually netflix show that i watched a while ago called mortel and like one of the main characters his mom or grandmother was like a black woman who did voodoo and they just showed it in such a dark way with a lot of like bloody sacrifice and like exorcisms and like those type of ideas that kind of as a kid kind of watching this you're just like okay that seems dark and a little bit off-putting and then i guess you never really see the good representations that kind of do it right and show you like a more realistic like interpretation of what it actually should be so i don't know i don't i can't really think of any that i've seen do it well the closest i can think of is maybe Black Panther, but I don't even know if that was like realistic because it was also like very fictional. But I think the thing I liked about that that maybe did it the best that I've seen is probably just that it wasn't shown as very like dark and evil. Mm -hmm. And it was more like connection to nature, a connection to like your ancestors. And it felt very like comforting and familial and like, you know, kind of like a community thing instead of like, this is evil and dark. You know what I mean? So that's the only one that I can think of. Dr. Michelle, does anything stick out to you? I have a confession to make that American Horror Story Coven is my favorite season. Really? I, listen, 
lesson? Well, one, because I love Angela Bassett, right? And I've been to New Orleans. It's a very magical city. It's a very spiritual city, right? Um, and, um, and for me, um, I'm, I'm clear about the legacy of, of Marie Laveau and that there's, there's a lot more to Marie Laveau than what the series um, offered, right? Um, so there's more to that uh, his history. Um, what I liked how it gave us um, not only religious context and how enslaved Africans used their spiritual practices, not always for negative, right? It was a way for the community to come together, to connect with their ancestors, to connect with their spiritual pantheon, their spiritual gods, right? Um, it shows how you see um, the vestiges of traditional African religion and Christian and Black Christian practices in terms of shouting and catching the Holy Ghost. It's the same thing in Vodun. Um, when the spirits ride you, it's the same thing, right? So you get to see how some of these things link up. Um, I like how um, she talked about Tituba. Um, I like that that part of it. And there is a book called I Tituba. It's a fictionalized. Um, I read story. it in my class last semester. Yes. Yeah. So that, you know, so that's part of it. I can appreciate that. I think Vodun and Ifa and Candomblé and all of these other African, Afro-Caribbean, um, Afro-Latin um, religions get a bad name because of the colonizers not understanding, right, what it is, how African people worship, again, how they understood their connections not only to each other but to the earth and also to the ancestral realm, understanding that the veil is very thin and that there's no separation between the sacred and the secular. That both coexist at the same time, that your ancestors walk with you even when they pass, that they're still with you, right? So that's why they would say that, you know, Africans, you know, that they worship the dead. That's not necessarily the case, right? They understood that when you die, you just pass on to another realm. That's it, right? And that you still honor your ancestors because they're still very much a part of you. And it's this whole misunderstanding and rendering negative something that you don't understand. And it's also a part of thinking that Black people don't have any history, that they don't have any culture, that they don't understand anything. And, and it's also when you can dehumanize someone right? And assume that they don't have any culture, then that allows you to do whatever you want to them and not feel anything, oh, because they're not human, right? So there was this assumption um, that these people don't know what they're doing and an immediate shaming of who they are, their cultural practices, assuming that they don't have any history or literature or music. And if you look and examine all kinds of African cultures across the continent, you will find very long histories of that. Right, they even predate these European civilizations and cultures. It's all there, right? But we've been taught uh, to to call that uh, Satan worship. There's no idea of Satan there, right? Um, that's not there, right? So it, that that's that's where it comes from. Um, this idea of a need to separate the mind from the body. Well, why would you do that? You need both in order to be in balance, right? So 
that, that that's part of it. And it's really disturbing because when you separate your understanding of your connection to nature, then that allows you to decimate it because you don't, it's, it's like whatever. So, yeah. Real. I hope I didn't go off too much. No, no. I was just trying to think <laughs> myself of like, where have I, where have I really felt like I've seen different practices of spirituality? First, I want to come back to this later, but I, I will say I loved your comment about sort of, you know, when, when you're at church and people get the spirit in them. I That was always the thing that fascinated me most about going to church. And I hope we could talk about that a little mm-hmm. bit more later. But I was trying to think also about like shows that I've seen that felt like they were sort of scratching the actual surface and not just sort of perpetuating these lies that we've been taught. Um, and it's hard, it's hard to think of them. <laughs> but I think I've, I thought of two, maybe one and a half, I'll say. The first I thought of, and I don't know if either of you have watched, but it's Queen Sugar. I'm in the middle of it now, so I think it's gonna elaborate, but there's one sister in the family that like is able to, or she just sort of inherited these skills and, and these these ways of healing that nobody in her family really has a clear sense of how she knows them but she's like my mom showed me how and like i just watched her and like i know which herbs to go to for xyz like i know you know they all sort of garden and like that is part of their practice they grew up on farms and you know whenever anything is wrong like this sister also to the credit of the actress i forget her name but like the way that her eyes will just look at somebody and like hold their hands and like it's not prayer but it is just like just like a, a breath. I just, I feel like that was the most beautiful thing that I've seen or closest that I felt like might be, you know, things that I've seen in my own family that I maybe didn't acknowledge as being spiritual practices, but things that we do, like the way that we hold each other, the way that we hold space for the people that aren't still here. Like, I think that is all linked. And I think that show really has done it well. The other one I was going to say, which is my one and a half is, um, shoot, what is it called? Oh, She's Gotta Have It. I don't know if either of you have watched the show, the, not the movie. Oh, I know. I'm familiar. Yeah, the show, yeah. it's, I, like, it's okay. <laughs> Which is why it was my point five. But there was one part before it got canceled in season two where she, and it, again, it wasn't necessarily black, but it was like Afro-Puerto Rican. So it, it was like, and she went to Puerto Rico and she was watching, all of these, um, gosh, I wish, I don't remember the exact language they used, but they were, there was one scene that I remember and they were all on a beach and they were all wearing white and there was this dance that they did to, to relate to the water. And it was just this sort of like ceremonial mm-hmm. practice. And I just thought, first of all, I thought visually that scene was like the most beautiful thing, but it also reminded mm-hmm. me a lot of, you know, lemonade, like you said, or um, I, I don't know, just, things that I feel like I haven't even necessarily seen myself, but it felt familiar. You know what I mean? So I, those are, mm-hmm. those reactions are also kind of how I gauge, like, does this feel right? Like, is this the right thing? And like, in those moments where I'm like, yes, like, I wish I was there. Like, I wish I was doing that. Like, that's kind of how I inform, like, whether or not, like, maybe they're onto something that's accurate here rather than feeling like a, taken aback by how violent they're presenting something to be. Mm-hmm. Two films that I would that that came to mind while you were talking. One was Eve's Bayou, and you get two representations of what a uh, spiritual practice can look like. Right, you have the aunt um, who is she is a reader. Um, people come to her for spiritual advice, and then you have Diane Carroll's 
um, character who plays kind of like a witch, but not really, but that's how she's, he, she's seen. And then there's also Daughters of the Dust by Julie Dash, which is a visually gorgeous film. And Nana Pazant, who is the um, spiritual center of the family. And um, there are some scenes there where, you know, like she has bottles on the trees, you know, that represent spirituality. And she refers also to African Orishas. And she also has her own holy book. And like she has a, a lock of her mother's hair who was a slave. And all of those things are considered holy, right? All of that. Um, also, Beloved, um, the book and um, the film, right? There's a scene where they're in the clearing and Baby Silk's Holy offers us a, a spiritual scene where she encourages those who are listening to her to love themselves, right? Because yonder, they hate your flesh and they just assume flail it rather than love it, right? And she encourages them to, you know, to love their darkness, to love their bodies, their hands, and, you know, to weep for their flesh, to love their flesh. So those are some things that came to mind while you were talking in terms of a representation of spirituality uh, where you can see that happening um, that I think would be worth taking a look yes, at. Yes, absolutely. I've, I haven't seen Ease by You and I watched Daughters of the Dust like once when I was younger and I feel like it's worth revisiting now with I think Eve's Bayou is available either on Netflix or Prime. So I actually have it up I, right now. I it's on Hulu because I was Googling it while you were talking. <laughs> yeah, Eve's Bayou is I, I, it's either on Netflix or Prime and you can see it there. And then um, Julie Dash's Daughters of the Dust. I'm not sure if it's still up. It was on Netflix, um, but I would... I would recommend that. And, and also because they're films directed by Black women, mm -hmm. right? So you get that. So all the more reason to watch and support those films. Yes. Amazing. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I'm still mm -hmm. looking them up. I'm definitely adding them to my list right now. We've got a whole watch list. <laughs> <laughs> but that's so great because like we were having trouble thinking of some like good examples. So having those now, I think, is really like beneficial to see like you know, different representations. But I think- um, You did spiritual practice in Black Panther too, yeah. right? It offers you this Afrofuturism, yeah. right? But the women who who take care of those flowers, um, that's a spiritual practice. And T'Challa's mother, when she goes, you know, to bring him back to life, you know, um, that that's a spiritual practice right so it's there it's not hard to find but it's there right even shuri with her technology and how to bring people back to life that's also spiritual practice that africans understood spiritual technologies right so shuri is just giving us a 21st 22nd century look at how africans manipulate technologies in order to get the results they so interesting i never thought about it that way but now see now i'm going to rewatch black panther with a whole new lens and see it but that's so cool thank you i think so thinking about like transitioning a little bit more into like the conversation around you know religion and spirituality you were talking earlier about how 
you know, people like make those distinctions between them most of the time because they don't really understand how they are so intricately connected. So I think thinking about the unique position that you have as both being a Baptist minister, but also being, um, you know, taking part in spiritual practices, what do you think, I guess, have been the biggest differences that you found potentially between what we think of as organized religion and spiritual practices, but then also what are those, you know, connections and overlaps that kind of make them work together so well when done correctly? Mm-hmm. I think um, it can be both and, right? I think that we have to come out of this binary thinking that it's one or the other, right? So it can be both and, it can be either or. It just depends on the individual, right? So religion is about it's organized beliefs around how we practice a thing, right? The community believes that this is how we're going to to do this thing, right? This is how we're going to live out this tradition. These are the rituals that we're going to have that demonstrate um, our beliefs and how we move in this tradition that we agree with, right? Spirituality for me is about how I see myself in connection with the creator, uh, whatever I choose to call the creator and other people, right? So I think that in and of itself is is one important uh, distinction. I think the spirituality also shows up in our character and in our language, right? Spirituality acknowledges that um, our relationship with the creator, that the creator resides within us and how we treat other people is a representation of that, right? Religious practices shows how um, how our community does it, um, and I think the spirituality is about how I see that. Um, but I think as someone uh, as someone who is of African and Caribbean descent, because Caribbean descent, because that's just where the ship dropped some of my ancestors off, right? Because um, it's all African. Um, it is about how I... Progressive presents an interview with your upstairs neighbor. Hey, it's Rick from Upstairs. Yeah, I take it seriously. When I play R&B at one in the morning, that's me saying, hey, I'm here for you. And I enjoy repetitive bass lines. I only use expired batteries in my smoke detectors. <laughs> nice, right? Yeah, Upstairs neighbors help people forget their troubles. Give them something else to focus on. Ooh, want to see how high I can jump? Progressive can't save you from your upstairs neighbor. No, wait, let me try again. But we can save you money when you bundle renters and auto insurance with us. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. See myself in relationship to the creator. And what does that look like, right? If I choose to call God, Jesus, uh, Olodumare, um, whatever I choose to do, it's okay. When I'm in community, how are we agreeing that this is how we're going to do this? With some communities, I agree. Other communities, I don't. And with those communities whose practices I do not agree with, I do not belong. It doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with it. I don't agree. There are some communities that don't believe that women should preach. I'm not a part of those communities, right? There are some communities that don't believe that women should wear pants. I'm not a part of those communities. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. That is not my choice, right? There's some worshiping communities that don't believe you should use musical instruments. No problem. 
I am not a part of those communities because I don't believe that. Because I believe that where there is no music, the spirit will not come. That's what I believe, right? So that is part of my spiritual practice. That is part of the religious communities where we agree to these set of beliefs that we agree to that as a community. Spirituality is about my, my relationship with the creator and also how I treat those within my community. Does that help make distinction? Absolutely. Definitely helps. And I think, you know, given that this is a two-part episode, I was thinking back to the last episode we did specifically on organized religion and upbringing. And one of our guests was someone who had been raised in a variation mm-hmm. of white churches, but then sort of she said that she's like, I, when we asked, like, where do you feel most at home between the two now that you've been to both and grown up and have the choice of where you go? She's like, definitely at Black churches. And I think it's interesting, again, like, I'm still sitting on this idea of like, you know, a praise dance in the spirit and even just the praise and worship part of church and the parts where you go and hug your neighbor mm-hmm. and like just exist in fellowship. I will like those have always been my favorite parts and I don't even know why but those are always been the parts that bring me the most joy and that I feel like okay I don't want to go home anymore (laughs) when I was little at least so I think you know it's interesting because when she was talking about her experience at white church I think it it is I think perhaps why perhaps and I can't speak for her but I perhaps why she didn't feel at home in those spaces is because there was no room for spirit it there was no room for in the structure of the space and of like how they go through the the motions of their their service there was no room for fellowship there was no room for music through joy and i think you know it is interesting and i'm this is maybe too big of a blanket statement to make and i can't say i won't say that but it's interesting how perhaps you know white people really did try to kill the spirit by forcing religion and black people found a way to be like no. And, you know, this is, again, some Black people, obviously not every Black church goes by the same standards. And, you know, some have music, like you said, some don't. But I, I think it is a beautiful thing that, and now I'm sort of also forcing myself to think a little bit more about why I've always liked those parts the most. But I think it is a beautiful thing that Black church is almost defined and it's um, it's distinct mostly from white churches by those spiritual moments. And I think that's really a beautiful thing that no matter how much they done forced us to, to praise in a certain way, like that, that could not be erased. And I think that's really powerful. So I guess anyways, after that, <laughs> um, our next, what we wanted to talk about was really, you know, you said that spirituality is something that is about defining your beliefs So you believe that music is part of a spiritual practice, a crucial part Mm -hmm. of a spiritual practice, you know, what anything from women being able to wear pants, like you said, to, you know, women being able to preach, whatever it might be. But you also said that it's about, you know, identifying your specific and clear relationship to the creator, however Mm -hmm. you envision that. So I was just a little bit curious about like, what was your how did you develop this practice? You know, what informed it? Did you have some things to unlearn in that process? Absolutely. Um, there was an attempt, and I say an attempt. Uh, my mother was Catholic growing up, so I was part of that tradition. And at 13, I told her, I was like, I don't want to go here anymore. Like, I don't, I don't like it. 
I was bored, right? But that was the context that I was in. There's no, there's no shade to the Catholic church. It gave me some really good foundations um, in terms of what spirituality looked like, what re religion looks like, in terms of also engaging your senses in worship, right? And that's something that I really appreciate about that tradition um, in terms of they would have incense, like going, like the priest would come through and, and would have this just burning incense. And, and I was like, I appreciated that smell. I think it was frankincense and myrrh that they would do and how, and how the church always had that smell and how it just kind of enveloped you in that way. But what I didn't have the language to say was that there wasn't anybody there who looked like me, right? or who spoke to my particular experience, right? At that point, I was in the Bronx and the church was down the street from my house. And I told my mother I didn't wanna go. And why was she forcing me? And she, and she said, okay, I won't make you go, right? And so that was at 13. I didn't start going to church on a regular basis again until I graduated from college. And that was at an invitation of a friend. And so that's when I started to go to church again. And it was a completely different experience. And I had one of the things that I had to unlearn was this idea of God as a white man, right? I, I had to completely release that because that's not true. God is not a white man. For me, in my spiritual practice, God is a black woman. Because if anybody understands the necessity of liberation of all people, for me, it's a Black woman. Because when Black women get free, everybody gets free, right? That's where I sit. No shade to anybody else. That is where I sit, right? And so it took me some time to unlearn that, right? And I'm clear that God is beyond gender, that God is beyond any understanding that we could put on it. I'm clear that God is a spirit. Um, and that God is composed of both male and female, right? I'm also very clear about that. But it's also important for me as a Black woman to understand that I am also a reflection of the divine and that the divine resides in me as well. And I think sometimes that is missing in church environments. And that is something that I, that I learned over the years, that I am divine and that God created me to be so. And it is okay for me to speak about myself in those terms, that God's divine fingerprint is all over me and every breath that I have is God's. God's breath was there in the beginning. The same breath that was over the waters in creation is the same breath that I have now, right? Even in, an, in a, a traditional African religious understanding, you know, in, in a pantheon of, of gods who act on behalf of the creator, right? That I'm supposed to be here, right? That I made an agreement in the heavens to come and that I agreed to do something. And until that happens, I'll be here, right? So getting that understanding as well, that I'm supposed to be here, I agreed to be here. And so there's something I'm supposed to do. And until I do it, I'm gonna be here. Um, and so learning that too. So unlearning this kind of white patriarchal understanding of who God is, my relationship to God, 
understanding that I can understand God in an African context, and that is most meaningful to me. Um, unlearning a kind of hegemonic conversation around Black bodies being evil, around sexuality being evil and sinful, um, all of that, unlearning all of that is freedom. Um, and so that's, so that's the journey that I'm on and will be on until, until the creator decides it's time for me to come home. Wow. I really have no word. <laughs> I, I will, a little intermission, I guess. One thing that came to mind while you're talking is, do you listen to Solange at all? You have her Yes. Stuff. Well, there's this short, short intermission that I always like. I think after that album came out, I must have journaled about it for like a whole year, maybe. <laughs> but there's one line at the end of the intermission where she's she was she just says like we are the walking embodiment of God consciousness. And the whole part of the interlude is about it's about, you know, what does it mean? How does sexuality link to spirituality? How do you know we find how do we view our bodies and the things that we can do with them in linked linked to our spirits and as just mm -hmm. completely magnificent things. So probably going to go re-listen to that after this, but I just wanted to say that <laughs> before we keep going. <laughs> we are divine spirits having a human experience. That is what we are. Right. And so, and, 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 and as a Christian, that matters because that's who Jesus was, a divine spirit having a human experience, right? And so there's much for us to learn um, about that. And if we treat each other like that, I think that would matter a lot, right? I used to work on a college campus and I would work with students and sometimes they would be absolutely horrible to me, right? And they would call me everything but a child of God. And so sometimes I would have to give it the same way they gave it and they would be shocked. And I'd say, now, how does it feel to have someone speak to you that way, right? And I was like, that's not affirming and that's not helpful. And, and that would shift the conversation. Like I wouldn't curse at them because that's never helpful, right? And then sometimes I would say, I know you can't hear me right now, but your spirit does. And this is what I'm going to speak to your spirit. I know that you're better than that. And I know that's not what you meant. And I know that you're speaking from a place of hurt. But I need you to understand that I love you and I care about you. And when you're ready to talk about what the real issue is, I'm here. And I'm here to support you in whatever it is that you need. But where you're sitting right now, we can't have that conversation. You're not ready. But when you're ready, I'm here, and as angry as you are now, you're going to come to a place where you'll be ready to talk, and I'll be right here, and that would be that, right? Because you can't come in and be disrespectful, right? Because when you have two nasty people talking, you have two fools talking, and I'm, I'm just not ready to engage in that. And again, that is a life lesson, which is probably why when I went for my reading with my Ifa priest, Shango was the one who stood up for me. Shango is the Orisha of lightning and fire and thunder. Um, Shango is not somebody to play with. Shango will come for you, right? Um, Shango is very passionate. Um, it can be arrogant, but um, is also very loyal and faithful and smart. 
uh, can have a stormy temper, but also loves to have fun, right? Help me to understand my entire life. So I understood. So that's why I'm very careful with how I speak to people because words have power. There's power. African people understand this concept called nomo, N-O-M-M-O, right? There's power in the word that what you say causes things to move and it causes a shift, right? So when you hear Black people talk about, you know, there's power in the word of prayer. Yes, because we understand that our words cause a shift. When you say a thing is so, it can be so. When you say a thing is not so, it will not be so, right? So that's why, you know, our elders, you know, they say, you better watch your mouth. They'll say that's why, because they understood the power of the word. So Yeah, I have, that was beautiful. I like just needed a breath. I was at a loss for words. I was really just, I just had to take a moment <laughs> and take all of that in. Just everything that you said is just really transformative for me, because I think, a little bit of a personal intermission, I suppose. I just was very much at a point because I grew up in that type of mindset of like God as a white man or like all of these like patriarchal ideals that I talked about this in the last episode that just didn't really sit right with me. And I think because of that, it was making me feel distant from religion or distant from God. And I think that was really sad to me. And it's something that I've been grappling with because like McKean said, like, I loved growing up in the church. I loved the fellowship. I loved learning. I loved believing in something that was bigger than myself. But then all of these like hateful ideas that were like tacked onto that or things that like I didn't necessarily agree with made me feel like it was either or. And I never really had the option growing up to like pave my own way or to create my own relationship with God or see God how I wanted to or see God as like, you know, someone or you know, I guess not really someone, but as you know, a part of me in a way that relates to me and you know can be what I need them to be, if that makes sense. And I never had that option. And I think now, like hearing from you and hearing about your experience and seeing that that is what spirituality is and like that is what that means, I think it's just so enlightening for me. It makes me feel really warm inside because I was very sad about trying to figure out my relationship with religion, which is part of the reason why we were doing this series. But that's really interesting. And I want to thank you for that. You're welcome. You're fine. You, you are both a beautiful reflection and manifestation of the divine in your own way. You are, you are smart. You are self-possessed. You are creative. You are wise. I mean, look at the work that you're doing. How could that not be a manifestation of the divine? You are absolutely glowing. You are magnificent. You are awesome. You are transforming the world. Everything that you're doing is causing a shift. How could that not be divine? Look at how magical you are. How could you not be divine? Every time you smile, the room lights up every single time, every single time. Every word that you speak to yourself, every single word must be positive to counteract the world telling you something terrible about yourself. Don't believe them. They're lying. 
They have lied to you to tell you that you're not smart, that you're not good enough, that you're not pretty enough, that you can't accomplish it. Let me, let me tell you something. People see your strength. They see your divinity, and the first thing they want to do is put out your light. Let me help you. I am here to have this lighter going and to keep giving it to you so you can keep lighting your own candle. You deserve to shine in this world. We need you. I need you. Keep doing this work. The work that you are doing is absolutely divine. You were called to this plane for a reason. The work that you are doing is needed. You are needed. Never, ever forget that. Never, ever forget that the gifts that you are given are not just for you. You are the descendants of people who chose to live, who chose to survive, who saw you who saw you, who knew that you were coming. They knew that you were coming. They knew they prayed for you. They asked for you. They called for you. They didn't know what you were going to be named, but they knew that you were coming. They said, here she comes, here she comes, here she comes, here she comes. She's coming. I have to live. I have to make it just one more day. We can walk one more mile. We can read one more book. We can do one more sunrise. We can do one more mile in this field. We can do it. We can do it. We can do it because I know that Lauren is coming. I know that McKean is on her way. They are coming and they are going to do a work. And you're doing this work for generations yet unborn. Those that you will have and those who will see you, please, whatever you do, ignore the voices that tell you that you can't. Because I'm telling you that you can, everything you need, everything you need, you already have. Your ancestors stand behind you. They stand in front of you. They stand around you. They stand. God, I'm telling you what I know. I'm telling you what I see. Nothing is impossible for you. Impossible only means that I'm possible. Trust me. Trust me when I tell you. I believe in you. I love you. I believe in you. You can do it. You're doing it. Keep up the good work. Wow, thank you. You just made me cry, but thank you so much. Oh, baby. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for real. Mm -hmm. Wow, I wish we could do, like, you just reminded me. I know this is, you reminded me of this and so much more, but that video of, like, you magnified how I feel whenever I see that video of, it was like Michelle Obama and like it was made for Netflix, but a bunch of the black women just being like, hi, queen. Oh, like, what? <laughs> I'm here to remind you that you have, you know, you are excellent and you have everything you need. And like, phew, you know, that video did it for me. So this was just tenfold. You Thank are you. black girl excellence, black girl genius, black girl joy in the flesh. And I am honored just to have crossed your paths. My life is better simply because our paths have crossed and I'm forever grateful and in debt to you because of it. Thank you. Thank you, McKean. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you for that. That was, wow. That was amazing. That was exactly what I needed today. Having, wow. Okay. I've got it back together, but thank you for that. I think I can't stress enough how much everything that you said has been so, so transformative and enlightening. And yeah, I think especially with like what we were talking about 
earlier about how like all of these positive things that you're saying are like not even you know what we typically think about when we think about spirituality mm -hmm. and when we think about you know what we've seen mm -hmm. in the media things like that and i'm even thinking about there was a tweet that i saw the other day and it was kind of talking about how like the way that we demonize like african spirituality mm -hmm. but you know when they're like white women with their tarot cards or like crystals and zodiacs and different things like that those the type of things that we like praise or that we draw more attention to while demonizing African spirituality. So how do you feel about, I guess, the way that spirituality has been co-opted in some senses to become something that's commercial and marketable um, or like the way maybe some like indigenous African spiritual practices have been maybe watered down? Mm -hmm. Just like thinking about this like recent wave and like increasing popularity, I was just wondering like, I don't know, how do you feel like that plays into what true spirituality means, like at its source or at its core? Like, is that a perversion of like spirituality in some senses, or is it because spirituality is such an like individual practice, it can't necessarily be policed in that way? Like how does that like fit in for you? Well, let's not forget that they burn the white women too, right? In the in the witch trials, right? So the Salem witch trials and, and all of the women who were burned at the stake um, during that time. Um, so they did burn them too. So they did die. Um, I think I think that everyone, there are some good things that can be pulled from a lot of different spiritual traditions, right? I also think that there's something to be said for sticking with the traditions of your ancestors, right? Um, because I think that there's power there, right? Black people do meditation. That's not new. Black people have done readings. We just did it differently. We did it with cowrie shells, right? We did it with bones. We did it with things that were indigenous to who we were to help us understand our relationship to the earth, to our families, and to the spirit world, right? We've done that. That's not new. Tarot cards are simply a different manifestation of that, right? Um, and, I, and I think as, as times improve, spiritual technologies just look different, right? Um, I don't have anything against that. I think people use what they can um, to, to figure out who they are in relationship to the creator. Using, um, you know, stones and those kinds of things. I don't have anything against that. I have one here. A friend of mine, my, um, my Ifa priestess, she went digging and found rose quartz for me and gave it to me. And I keep it um, because it's, it's a healing stone. And I keep it because sometimes that's what I need. I need a physical manifestation of something to have to kind of help center me and focus, right? I don't have an issue with that. I do have an issue with people who abuse it, right? And use it to trick people um, out of money, who use it to harm people. Like, I, I, I don't go for that, right? I don't think that's helpful. But and, and at the same time, when you engage your spirituality that way, it comes back to you, Um you know, they always say, you know, that karma works. Yeah, spirituality is the same way. That what you put out, you get back. Um, so I, you know, the spiritual world is an interesting place. And people find ways to find their center 
that's that's it. And then also when you look at the craft, that movie, the craft, the original one, um, you haven't seen that? Oh, well, oh yeah. That listen, <laughs> that's um, that came out a while ago. Um, the craft, one black witch, three white witches. One turns out that she really is a witch and she really does have the spiritual gifts. The other ones um, get it by conjure. Um, the, the black witch, her, she's a black actress. I can't think of her first name right now. Um, but she gets the power to kind of combat another classmate who is racist and is calling her like monkey and all this kind of stuff. And so they engage with the powers to make things happen for them, but then it goes to a very dark place. So the craft is something you may want to check out to look at, you know, this kind of spirituality and them trying to call the four corners and, and all of that. Um, but yeah, I think that people can go either way with it, but I think it's a reflection of, of kind of who you are inside, yes. right? And the kind of thing that you're looking for, if that helps. No, that definitely helps. All of this helps. Everything you've said is helpful. Mm -hmm. I, I will say that. Um, you know, I guess I feel like we're naturally approaching the end. We had a whole bunch of other like, you know, how do you do this? How do you do that? Questions planned. And I think maybe we don't need those today. But I think what, one thing that might be helpful as like a final question for you is to those who might be like us and think that they don't have any spiritual practices or to those wishing and longing to engage their spirituality more and not sure where to start, mm -hmm. what would you say? And what advice would you give them in terms of beginning? Um, you know, the first thing I guess I would suggest is just to kind of get an inventory of, of kind of what it is that you're seeking. Are you seeking a relationship with the creator? Are you seeking clarity about who you are and what is it that you need? Like, what is it that you're looking for? And if you don't know what you're looking for, um, that's okay too. Um, reading helps. Um, there are some books that I could recommend. Um, but I think starting with the self, right? It's, it's a small thing that you can do. Sometimes it's just sitting in a quiet place and just listening. Our world is so full of noise and so full of distractions, right? That, that I think for many of us, we've lost our ability to focus, even if it's just for 10 minutes, right? There are plenty of apps that will help you focus, um, meditation apps, you know, people think, oh, you know, I got to sit and do the own and all that. No, sometimes just sitting quietly and just listening and just centering yourself helps. Um, I have an altar in my room um, and sometimes I sit uh, or sometimes I'm in my office and I just sit quietly and just listen. Just listen. And it helps me to quiet my mind because I always have 10,000 things happening at once, right? And I and there are times when I have to slow my mind down because it's always going. That's just the nature of who I am. There's always something on my mind. I'm always thinking about something. I'm Something's always happening. And I just need to stop and slow down. And if you stop long enough, you'll hear, and if you're quiet long enough, 
you'll hear the still, small, quiet voice of the spirit talking to you, right? I'm not saying you got to go through all these elaborate kind of rituals and all it is. No, I'm not saying that. Sometimes you're sitting in a space with a candle, a white candle, what have you, and just being quiet helps. Center yourself and just listen. It'll take a while for some people and just listen. That's all. That's it. And, and, I, and I think for a lot of people, you'll get what you need. Um, and God will speak to you. God has not stopped speaking just because the Bible was written or the Quran um, was written um, or the Torah was written or whatever other spiritual books you follow. Just because that book was written doesn't mean that, that God and the spirits have stopped speaking. That, it doesn't mean that. Ask your ancestors who walk in the light for help because that's important too, right? Just get quiet and ask your ancestors to come and to help you because they're here to help you. Ask them, ask them for help. Ask them to send the people to you who will help you, um, to give you what you need. Um, and they will do that. Yeah. Does that this help? Amazing. This was a great conversation. I'm, we can't thank you enough for all the enlightening information that you've shared. It's been a pleasure, really. Um, and I think since we are ending on such a lovely note, um, we also have our question that we finish every episode with, which is just to bring us back to joy and think about what's, you know, making us happy right now. So we always close our episodes off with this. So who wants to go first? Who wants to put their positivity out there? Anybody have theirs off the top of their head? I'll go first. I forget if I said this already. Normally I have to struggle to think, well, first of all, it's snowing right now. I just looked up out the window and I love snow. I love snow. So I'm feeling great. <laughs> I know you guys are not gonna really, <laughs> but I love it. I'm gonna go look out the window as soon as we're done. I love that. But my that's actually not what I was thinking. I I keep bringing up Queen Sugar, but I've my challenge in while I've been in quarantine is to watch as many shows that have been written and directed by black women as possible. <laughs> is it snowing there for you too? That's what I was looking. I'm like, <laughs> don't say that. Snow is, is snow is like cursing to me. Don't say snow. Woo! Had enough okay. of that. No, no, no. I love snow. I don't know why. It's the New Englander in me. It's that's my mama's fault for raising me in New England. Mm-hmm. But we can, we can bring that up with her. <laughs> Should have kept you in the Caribbean because it was just mm-hmm. No. But yeah, I think what actually is bringing me joy. I, I was saying. um is I've been trying to watch a bunch of shows by written by and directed by Black women, as many as possible while I've been in quarantine. And I'm having a lot of joy with that. Like, and right now, I'm, Queen Sugar is what I'm on right now, which is why I keep talking about it. But it's such a good show. Like, I really am blown away by the, the nuances of, like, Black families and how Black people talk to each other with no words. Like, all of that is just in there. And I just think it's such a beautiful job. Ava DuVernay, I think wrote and directed for the screen, but I forget the original author of the book, but I might have to go read the book after because it's so good. Bringing me a lot of joy. I'm almost done with it. <laughs> Love that. Um, I think for me, I, well, I guess I'm starting a new internship. I'm going to have two internships at once this semester, oh, but yeah. I'm working. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I try. Um, but I start on Monday. I'm working with Warner Music Group um, in their diversity, equity, and inclusion department, mm-hmm. trying to make them, you know, get their self together. Um, 
So that should be fun. I actually met the person that I'm going to be like working with, like, cause they have two interns in the same department and they're really cool. So I'm excited about that. I also just got back from Virginia. The South was nice. I liked the trees. I saw some deer. I saw deer for the first time. That was <laughs> a great experience. We were just driving and they just like crossed the road. Like they owned the place. And I was very confused. I was just like, okay, fine. Um, but that was nice. I hadn't seen my best friend in a long time. I hadn't seen her like a year. So it was nice to spend the weekend with her, escape New York for a while. Um, but yeah, those, I guess those would bring me joy right now. How about you? Best for last. Go ahead. What is bringing me absolute joy is the both of you and being able to spend this time with you and um, just have this really fun conversation. So this is what is bringing me joy. Oh. Dr. McCoy, just stop crying. Don't make me start again. <laughs> listen, listen. It is, this has been wonderful, and I'm so grateful. Thank you. Oh. We've enjoyed this so much. This is mm. amazing. Thank you. So Absolutely. Much. Yes. But well, what a beautiful like, what a beautiful episode. I really hope that everyone that's listening gets at least at least half of what I feel like I got out of it because mm-hmm. I think we will have done our job in the end. Some and you have literally just gone above and beyond. And, you know, one thing we didn't say when we were like talking the episode is that we were really trying hard to like look for someone who could really speak to spirituality in the way that we thought we wanted to. And I don't know if we were even exactly clear on what we wanted to do, but (laughs) this is like beyond what I could have imagined. So amazing. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. I appreciate it. I've been blessed. So thank you. And I'm excited to yeah. see what the two of you are going to do in the future. I can't wait. I'm going to be an old lady sitting on the front porch. Say, oh, that's my baby. I remember. Oh, my goodness. My goodness. Look at my. Look at him. Mm-hmm. I'll be sending you peppermints in the mail. That'll be me. <laughs> I love it. I'm excited. I cannot wait. I love peppermints. So You'll I be getting them. That'll be me. <laughs> from the old folk home. That'll be me. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes. Thank you so much to everyone who tuned into this episode today. Um, make sure to keep, um, keep up with us on Instagram at Black Girl Blueprint and Twitter at Be Girl Blueprint, where you can send us any questions, discussion topics for the Read the Room segment, um, anything like that. And yeah. Yeah. Thank you guys. Leave us a little review. If you feel fed by this episode, go make sure that you are up to date with whatever the amazing work Dr. Michelle is also doing. Did you want to plug your socials or anything? You don't have to. Um, (laughs) uh, If you want to follow me, let's see on Instagram. What am I on Instagram? Grace is alive. (laughs) On Instagram, I am, I think I'm Dr. Crugnificent. On Instagram? Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. That's me. Yeah. Follow me it. on Instagram. You can find me under Dr. Crunknificent. I think that's what I am. Go follow at Dr. Crunk if you know what's good for you. And <laughs> you know, if you like this episode, feel free to leave us a little five stars, a little a little five star review if you'd like. Otherwise, we'll see you guys next Friday with a new episode. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Progressive presents The Sounds of the Old World. The year is 2019, and someone is waiting for a table at a restaurant. 
Thompson, party of four. Thompson, party of four. Thompson, party... Oh, there you are. This has been The Sounds of the Old World. Brought to you by Progressive, where drivers can still switch and save like it's 2019. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates.